Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is episode 13 of season 6, The Wedding of River Song. After an entire season and 200 years of running, the doctor is ready to return to Lake Silencio for his swan song. Tick tock goes the clock and river kills the doctor. <laughs> this episode is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Jeremy Webb. It originally aired on the 1st of October, 2011, and was watched by 6.1 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hello, this is Auburn. Hi, this is Frank. Hi, this is Heather. Hey everyone, this is Kelsey. Hi, this is Brian. And today we have a special guest, Josh. Hey everybody, I'm back, it's Josh. So tell us how you got introduced. No, no, I'm just joking. Welcome back. Thank you, it's good to be back. You're doing your farewell tour to everybody before going uh, to Lake Silencio. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know what color my envelopes would have been. Though. We are in an alternate reality. Elevated steam trains whiz through city skylines. Automobiles attached to hot air balloons fly in the sky alongside pterodactyls. All of time seems to have merged into this one minute, 5.02 p.m. on the 22nd of April, 2011, the moment the doctor was killed at Lake Silencio. Emperor Winston Churchill asks his soothsayer what has happened to time. The soothsayer, who turns out to be the doctor, responds, a woman. But not Amy. Don't get confused, because we immediately go into Amy's little, I, what, whatever, I, wait, what, whatever she's, her thing is that she says during <laughs> the main titles. Oh, my version so, didn't have that. Uh, but back to the opening. A lot of money went into that. It looked pretty oh, yeah, good. Really. Uh, we have a nice cameo by Dickens from That's all right. the way from season one in The Unquiet Dead from Simon Callow. Not to be confused with Simon Cowell. <laughs> Callow. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, Winston Churchill from season five. And he's the one that says, TikTok goes the clock. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of little callbacks, right? Like even the pterodactyls. That's from are those the same ones from Father's Day? Or no. Are they different no. creatures? No. Oh, those are those are reapers. Fa Father's Day was oh. like a made up. Uh -oh. I mean, those well. are not pterodactyls. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just like flying creatures in the pterodactyls. They were pteranodons. <laughs> As the resident uh, paleontologist of the group. <laughs> the Silurian doctor is back. That's right. Oh, yeah. Malekith. And Meredith Vieira. <laughs> Definitely dates it. Oh, that was great, though. And then the two other news anchors are British. You know, like Meredith is for the US. One thing I, I did really like about this opening, because I didn't recall what was happening. I had to actually rewind and go, did that say 2011? Did I miss something? What did I miss? Um, I like episodes that open up with like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and and, and you, you think, oh, this is the, the future. Oh, it's not the future. Wait, what? Wait, who's that? And all that stuff. And it just kind of leaves you confused um, uh, until you, you do find out what's going on. And I 
actually end up liking the explanation. That's one thing I like about Doctor Who is even throughout the episodes, you're supposed to, at times, not know what's going on. And sometimes it, it makes us angry because we are totally expecting something and then it twists us and makes us angry until we watch it again and then realize, oh, that was a good idea. Yeah, sometimes when I start episodes like these, I have to like make sure I didn't skip something. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. I'm supposed to be confused. Great. Yes. <laughs> but I liked it a lot. I'm I'm with Josh. It's when you get thrown into a mystery and you're like, wow, this is the greatest thing. And then you find out how it resolves. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brian, you looked up the SPQR banner. Did we want to mention what that is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember in Latin what it actually means. Um, but, you know, that those letters would be around when, and it would signify the emperor. Um, and that, but when you Google it today, the first thing pops up is that it has been co-opted by white supremacists. Which is another oh. thing about like the swastika was repurposed from high, trying to hide a cross. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Nazis stole a ton of, ton of stuff from yeah. the Romans. Yeah, the Nazis and Hitler definitely uh, took a lot from the Romans. I mean, that, I was also surprised that you would have somebody like Churchill being called Caesar with with that iconography that is Roman, but was also appropriated by Nazi Germany and the Hitlers. Like the Third Reich was the third empire of Roman mm -hmm. rule, right? Like so. Yeah, it was the Roman. It was the Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, and then it was going to be Nazi. Yeah. So whoever did the art direction in writing, uh, especially in England, who fought like directly Germany, you know, and fascism. It's very surprising that they would use so much of that, even if it isn't like a, a problem in Great Britain, it is still part of their history. Man, that's they wanted to do that. They wanted to do it in a way to show how crazy and merged this timeline is, this alternate reality. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is the most shocking way they could do it without actually using swastikas and whatnot. But then again, I don't know how pro I don't know what, like you said, if in, they even associate it with white supremacy no. in, in Britain. So I honestly don't. I just think they didn't know. Mm. Yeah. I definitely just... immediately Googled it on incognito mode. So. <laughs> <laughs> we all just start dropping off. <laughs> there's a there's fun little references everywhere in there. Like the the newspaper headline says uh, the War of the Roses enters its second year, and that's funny because that's the Civil War that um, Richard the Third ended. You know, the, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse guy. Yeah, uh, it, that was the end of the War of the Roses. It was a big internal conflict between the Roman, the royal families. And then you get the uh, centurion on his chariot waiting at a stoplight. Yes, that's right. right. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure that guy. The look on his face for a moment, thinking like, "Where am I?" Like, like he's confused about what's going on, but. Yeah, I, I took that as, it's my turn to go. Why didn't it turn green for me? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what it was. But because I was in such a state of confusion, I projected it onto him. Yeah. Um, Albert, and I, <clears throat> Albert and I watched Bill and Ted's Face the Music. So when this opening happened, I was like, oh, I know what's happening. Uh, was it space is, time, time is collapsing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> time is collapsing in on itself. Everyone's out of their... <laughs> 
out of their um, time streams. Yeah, but I liked how Doctor Who took it. And like Josh and, and Eugene were saying, like they squashed the anachronisms all together. So people are all mixed up, but it's normal for them in this reality. The the War of the Roses or the don't feed the pterodactyl signage. I mean, it is just a story, but that's fun in your mind to play with. Well, how long have they been in this 502 reality? Well, I mean, you can look at time as if like, if time is stuck, like there is that question in and of itself is moot. How long has that been happening? Yes. You're right. No. Uh, you, 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 you know, I can't remember. There was some other movie, might have even Doctor Who or, or TV show, where they talk about time in that way of like, you know, how long has this been going on? It, it's always go, has been, and will be. Like, I can't, I can't remember what that's from, but probably the Q continuum. Yeah, maybe, maybe something like maybe that. Maybe Voyager. I, was, when you say probably, is that like you are just talking down to me because you know for sure? <laughs> no, only because. No, 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 no. Only because the it, Q it, continuum. It's, right? it's such a repeated uh, meme, like. I know yeah. it from Voyager, like uh, when they went and they represented the Q continuum on like a, a dirt road, a country mm-hmm. road. Oh like, yeah, the, the boredom. Yeah, um, but I'm sure that it's been referenced. Like yeah. that might not be it. That's why I said it like yeah, that. Yeah, no, well, it, it could I, be. you were smiling when you said it. Yeah. So I was wondering. <laughs> Just to get in a Star Trek reference. Right. But that is, that's one thing I love about the show is it puts these kind of scary conceptual thoughts into your head, but it's almost like, you know, infinity or purgatory in a way, but is purgatory purgatory if you don't know you're in purgatory? Mm. Well, I kind of like that they had, they had, (laughs) it was only, I like that only some people thought something was wrong. Like the doctor, the doctor was like, well, it's 502, it's it's always 502. He doesn't see anything as wrong. This is all normal to him. I thought that was You're talking about the Silurian doctor. Silurian doctor. Oh yeah, I was like- Sorry, not the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Oops. Talking um, about the doctor, not the doctor. Doctor Witch. Yeah. Uh, the Solarian doctor, um, it's just all normal to him. They, they And they don't really even have a concern. Right, yeah. I like that they did that so that it could really highlight that certain people who have had a connection to the doctor kind of realize something is wrong. That um, moment right there makes me think of, funnily enough, The Shining. Well, you've always been the, house, the housekeeper. You've always been the caretaker. Um, which, you know, Shining harkens back to a couple episodes ago. But, like, that's that creepy. It's just It was just creepy. Yeah, it is, yeah. Josh, now that you brought it up, I want to know, how long has the Roman been at that stoplight? <laughs> has it never changed? Yes. <laughs> uh, there is so much going on here. I just wish there was a little exposition line of people I've come in contact with, uh, the 11th Doctor or the Doctor that it gives them some sort of awareness because yes that is it we never learn why churchill oh is able to notice that it's always 502 you know i take that as he's awesome like yes. there's just this reverence for him <laughs> yes. that if, if anyone's going to notice it's going to be winston churchill yeah and, and i and i, I, I get that I chalk it up there with Vincent van Gogh has the ability to paint the TARDIS exploding. They're just exceptional. There's something special about these people. I didn't even get that it was somebody connected with the doctor, so I'm glad they didn't say that, because that could be just your interpretation, which is Has great. he ever been on the TARDIS? Sense. Has Churchill oh, yeah, ever been I on just, the TARDIS? No. You know, but that's an idea. No, I don't think so, but that's t- no, just but an idea. Called. I mean, you, you could you could geek think it into into that, like the influence, the, 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 the not genetic, but the microbiological uh midichlorians uh, yeah the midichlorians <laughs> just the energy you know what do they call the 
the Tektron, Tektronic, or what, what do they call? Archon. Arch Archon. Yeah, the, like it just Artron. Artron energy <laughs> has because it has affected different people that are closer to him. It just could be that because of their contact with the Doctor, they have been exposed to time travel and how time works and it's not and i don't mean it exposed in a physical way they just have a mental understanding that time can go wibbly wobbly and since they have that awareness they're a little more perceptive to it going wibbly wobbly mm -hmm. and that's how i'm putting like reverse engineering that logic into it i just i would like a little line like because what you mentioned about uh vincent is that there was a whole episode dedicated to why he's special with the winston churchill episode in victory of the daleks that was more about Bracewell. But I'm, I like it that it's not stated because then it's it's just some people have found this out and have gotten together. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I've like, said I, that this is my personal opinion right. on that. I'm, I'm saying what I would like to have been there. We both We're, are right. <laughs> you and, want and, a little bit more to And both that. of us are still on track on how we handle episodes on this show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Our timelines are still moving forward. <laughs> Well, I want to go to a different timeline for a second, and <laughs> I say I don't like the title of this episode. I don't either. I will yeah. agree with you on that. I, I was I was like three quarters of the way through, and um, and it's like because again I couldn't quite remember what was happening, and I I figured that whatever's going to happen is going to happen at the end. But I was like, this has nothing. To, bulk of the episode has nothing to do with that. It you know how many me, people tuned in just because of the title yeah. of the episode? Uh, yeah, go. it reminded like, me of when we did The Doctor's Wife. And uh, I think uh, I think it was Alburn that mentioned he didn't like the title of The Doctor's Wife when we did that episode. But as it goes further along, Moffat's titles get worse and worse. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so sick of the, the, you know, The Wedding of River Song, The Husbands of River Song, you know, The Day of the Doctor, The Night of the Doctor, The, you know, Twilight of the Doctor. I mean, it's just <laughs> people. Just get over it. The daylight savings time of the doctor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as somebody who works in marketing, I I recognize the genius of it. So, marketing is evil, but it's also kind of clever. So I get it. Yeah, it does its job. <laughs> and Eugene, you didn't like the TikTok from the uh, emperor when he said that, but I think that's the whole essence of the episode, and I like that he tied in what was going before with TikTok goes to clock. Was going, why do we say that if the clock never ticks? Yeah, I, I cut myself from explaining that, but what I don't like about that is that the TikTok song is constantly changing every time we hear it. So when he said it, I kind of wanted him to, because he says it's it's that old song, but the clock never moves. It's always 502. It's like, well, give me another verse. You, you didn't do what we've done in the previous episodes. <laughs> oh, I agree. Again, Eugene and Frank, <laughs> two sides of the coin. <laughs> Everybody else, meet in the middle. <laughs> I'm on Team Frank for this one. I like that the song had that direct correlation to the clocks being stopped in this episode. No, it's a good clue. I, I do acknowledge that. What's the that. line? I don't even know. What, what's the line? Well, which verse are you asking, Kelsey? I don't know. What are we talking about? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. <laughs> it's Churchill talking to the doctor. He's he he uh, repeats the poem. Tick tock goes the clock, and then he asks the doctor, like, but the talk the clocks don't tick or talk. So what does that mean? Because for them, time isn't moving. Once upon a time, the doctor searches the memory of a Dalek for information about the silence. This knowledge leads him to the Tesselecta, the time-traveling, shape-changing robot from 1938 Berlin. 
Continuing to follow the trail of information, the doctor finally finds Dorian Malavar's head, which had been removed by the headless monks at Demon's Run. He is the only one that can answer why the doctor must die. Dorian tells him that the Silence is afraid of the doctor's future actions on Trenzalore. Because of the prophecy, silence will fall when the question is asked. They are determined not to let that happen. So the Tesselecta was all the way back in Let's Kill Hitler, which then is visually connecting us to the Roman iconography and Emperor or uh, Caesar Winston Churchill. So I'm like, these things are sort of making sense. But bringing in the Tesselecta from the Let's Kill Hitler episode is the one thing that I kind of don't like about that episode. Mm. So it's, it's, it's odd. I like it at this point. Yes. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's like I have a love-hate relationship with that particular... Oh, I agree. ...particular um, device, if you will. And then we get the first appearance of the Dalek in season six. So it sort <laughs> of completes that, what do you call it? contractual yeah so we get obligation get to, yeah we get to we're obligated to use the dalek once per season and then this is it oh that wow. was a good way to do it it was it was a really good way i didn't even know i didn't know that it didn't feel forced no it didn't it dalek stock with the eye on it like do they explain what that is was that it's like memory it's the processing memory or something he, he uses to he gets information from that particular device that was, was like, the that was the the memory archive that he needed to access to get the information about the silence it was opening up the hard drive but i mean that it was, was in like, the stock it was an alien eye like it was an organic eye but and you're talking about when he put down the eye stalk at the docks of Callisto. Yeah, he puts it down on the table and you see this, it looked like an eye was attached to it. Then they show this fella who's got an eye patch. So <laughs> my, my mind immediately went to that. Like, oh, so is that his eye? Wait, no, what? So like, I think that's one reason why you miss a lot of stuff in this show is because you're sitting there trying to figure out what the hell's going on and you're missing plot points. And then you watch the episode again and you're like, oh, that's really clever. I, I took that as it's damaged, so it doesn't look so, necessarily like we've seen the so Dalek like stock. So like behind the stock is like a Dalek that, eye? That's how I took it. Oh, okay. I, I don't know how true this is, but Moffat had intended to retire the Dalek as an adversary. Well, you can't get rid of them. Hasn't he been watching the show? <laughs> I, I'm they just telling you, I'm telling you what I what I found in my research. Well, <laughs> and just because he wants to get rid of them doesn't mean the BBC wants to lose right, them. Right. There's a there's a new animated series, isn't there, about Daleks yeah. coming out? Yeah, there is. Really? Speak of the Devil? Yeah. With they're Dalek doing, babies? They're doing this big thing called the Time Lord Victorious. It's crossing over all the comic books, books, big finish, uh, articles and magazines, and then that's going to wind up with like four or five episodes of animated Daleks, like 10 minute episodes. And they're going to be like, how are you today? <laughs> I'm great, thank you. No, they're, what they're going to say is, I'm excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. When I remember this episode, it always seems like it's a two-parter, three-parter. It's like I don't even—it doesn't even feel like the finale of a season to me when I think about it. I keep thinking they're, you know, flying trains and cars, and the trains going through the buildings. It's just being going on forever. <laughs> so I think there's just so much packed into this so quickly that yes, but... not only are you lost, but you're just completely lost because they're introducing new characters plus bringing back some old ones all leading to somewhere and it just is happening so quickly i mean the doctor decides after leaving craig well it's time to go to lake silencio now goodbye and when he gets in the tardy says like well maybe not yet and he's like why do i have to die what's all this and he starts fighting again for 200 years yeah i did like that line where he's like you know i'm not gonna lie down to die 
And that's up until this point, he's kind of just accepted it. But now he's like, no, I'm going to find out why this has to happen first. I like that one. Yeah. And that was uh, one thing that I brought up in um, closing time is that the next episode is the finale and it feels off. Like the placings right. of these episodes are just weird to me. And I think this is the first time in the series that we have one episode being the finale mm. of a season. As I was watching it, like, I, I remembered how, how it sort of resolved. And I was like, how are we going to get to that in? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the like, same thing. I was just like, oh, my God. And then um, this part also, we get introduced to the live chess game. Yeah, love, I love <laughs> live chess. Live chess is awesome. It's funny, um, Heather, I kind of felt, I, I kind of had a vague memory of how the ending climax transpired. That was the mystery of how he died and stuff. But I kept, oh, is this where we find out? Oh, no, no. Oh, is that where we find out? Oh, no, no. I have like five times until it was so close to the end. I'm like, well, I guess we're going to find out in the next few minutes. Yeah, it didn't uh, me, seem like we were going to get there, but we got there. And to me, there's so much in this and so many questions at the end of watching this that it needed to be a two-parter because it's, to me, it just breaks down. You kind of watch it the first time, you can go ahead with it. But if you start like for any kind of podcast, dissecting it and try <laughs> looking at it, it just falls apart and crumbles and go, what is left on the floor? What did you cut out? Where, you know, all the little, you know, all the little shortcuts you took, which left out actual explanation and meaning and all that. The thing that the thing that got me in, and it, it was something I was talking about with Frank and a little bit with Eugene about Frank writing the summary. So many plot elements in this episode begin, get introduced, and dropped. It like all this interesting. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Go away. I, it's just like I think. I think that could have been great, but it doesn't come off that way in this episode. And I think that's where my criticism for this episode is coming from, because I can see the if, if this was a joke, like if they're setting up jokes premise or premise set up punchline, that's why I'm filling in the gaps for myself of like uh, Caesar Churchill, like finishing giving us a new verse to the, the TikTok song and the, so just a little bit of exposition of why he's able to notice that it's stuck at this uh, you know 502 so that that's where i'm coming from again it's like watching it for the first time fine but then you watch it again and you have to dissect it and then this is what i'm doing because i can see the potential for it to be great you're trying to give it some relevance yeah there's got to be a reason and as a fun trivia bit the the live chess player guy is gantok or gantek that is play the actor inside is mark gaddis no way! Oh, really? No really? Oh my god! Oh, cool. now you can't unsee it. <laughs> we did not look for that. That was surprising. Never, never in a million years. But his name is not credited. He used the uh, pseudonym Rondo Haxton, which is a <laughs> which is a homage to an American horror actor who is who, oh, yeah, who that look Haxton. is based on. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah, him. The heavy in the Rocketeer is based on that character mm. or actor. You know what I'm talking about the mm -hmm. big, the big uh, muscle. What's his name? Rondo. What? What? Hold on. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna send this in the chat. Y you'll know it when you see it. Oh, this guy. Yeah. See? No, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that that's his funny. real face? Yeah, that's that's him. So we basically just made a horror trope out of this guy's face. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. <laughs> Rondo Hatton. Guy made a living off of his face. 
Oh, that guy. Oh, that... I, I always thought he was in makeup. But that does make more sense why we get introduced to this character who does quickly die because it, it's like uh, more fun for Mark Gaddis to get a good death scene right. with all the skulls coming on him or I wouldn't call that a good death scene. I thought that was cheesy. <laughs> the way it was executed is very cheesy because it's slow-mo. It's like a weird frame rate and they do something with the iris to, sh to hide yeah. things. Yeah. I felt like they were leaning into the cheesiness of it. Even the skulls, like, turning and looking at them. I feel like it, it is a kid's show, but it, 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 I, throughout the first half of this episode, I kept thinking of, like, Behind the Sofa. Like, this would have creeped the heck out of me as a kid. And But it's not so real that it would have terrified me as a kid. Like, there is a sense of playfulness about it. It would be one of those images that sticks in your brain. Right. For the entire and I think entire less life. would have been more. I liked the skulls turning, but I think if they would have seen him just one quick shot of him down there with all the skulls, sure, and then not seen anything else, yeah, I think it would have been more effective. So there's two things here in the script that they they used to describe this place was very much like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So so Josh, we got that with all the catacombs. I, I yeah, know you enjoy Raider uh, Raiders, right? And then um, the, the thing that I don't like about this scene, you know, adding on to what we don't like about it, <laughs> is that this is kind of like new information because we're in catacombs. So we think that skeletons and bones are, are just remains of dead things and people. But then as soon as we walk in, they give that line of, or, you know, you're going to get eaten by the skulls. And then they turn. It's like, oh, this is new information. And I get it. It's for the scare factor. But why are, are skulls like zombies? Are they doing muscle? memory things where they just eat to eat and they're not really eating to survive because you look at those skulls there's nowhere for there's no <laughs> esophagus <laughs> yeah i think it's a break in the light it's more just fairy tale story well they're know. all the they're oh, all the no, skulls from the headless monks yeah, yeah i agree they're from the headless monks so they're well, not we, we need that line necessarily i think we need it that comes line. later yeah yeah, no, but they talk about it with Dorian. I think what, yes, but I think what Yuji was saying is how sentient are the skulls. Yeah, they're still sentient to me. So that's horrid. That's oh, yeah, scarier well, than the skull itself. <laughs> it's okay because if you have money, you get really good Wi-Fi. So, right. right. I mean, I do think the guy dying was cheesy, but the I liked, you know, and then once they get to Dorium, it just pays off great because as a as a as a dis disembodied head saying the line, ah, the Wi-Fi is excellent. I keep myself entertained. He says it so well. It's just very funny. Yeah, that guy like really it. has a, he really knows how to sell his lines like he, yeah. he really gets the, the joke and, 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 and the subtext of everything he's always said. Well, at least we know what happened to Captain Jack in the face of Bo. What? Huh? Oh, he met up with the Headless Monks? <laughs> he met up with the oh. Headless Monks, <laughs> right. yes. You know, when he got the yeah. time, and uh, we saw Dorian before with River Song giving him the time agent wristband. You know, so, so, that like, means, okay. <laughs> so that means that Jack's headless body is out there walking around. What is that getting up to? Right. <laughs> it's bumping into <laughs> it's a huge finger. There's a huge toe. <laughs> After Dorium tells him the question, the doctor kidnaps him back to the TARDIS. Knowing he is the only one with the answer, the doctor realizes that to ensure it will not be answered is with his death when his silence falls. So it's finally time to head back to Lake Silencio. 
he asked the Tesselacta to deliver the blue invitations to River, Amy, and Rory, Canton Everett Delaware III, and a younger version of himself. He doesn't want to die alone. At the lake, events proceed as before as River in the spacesuit shoots, but purposely misses the doctor. With the fixed point in time destroyed, an alternate reality was created, bringing all of time together to this one minute, two minutes past five. Am I confusing two different moments? Like she doesn't uh, miss him. She, um, she she overloads her, the circuits from firing or something. She says. But you hear. She, but you she, hear the discharge. She yeah. fired four times. Remember, the doctor's got his eyes closed and he's and he's kind of like reacting to each right. GPU, you know, and then he opens his eyes, going, "Why?" Oh, why so basically, she said, "I just unloaded the gun." Is that what she yeah. said? Oh. Yeah. Kind of like you know, like in Point Break when Gamma uh, <laughs> fires into the air. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Doctor! <laughs> the one little thing before we get into the big discussion. I love it when they're still in the TARDIS and the doctor says, why, Le why Lake Silencio? Why Utah? <laughs> and I love Dorian's response that it was a still point in time, which makes it much easier to create a fixed point. That I, I thought was really fun. I missed that line. I just don't know what it means. I just, it, nothing happened there, so it's wide open. Like so it's such a it, desolate spot. It, well, it's such a desolate time moment. Nothing there's no no active events at that time moment to interfere with anything else. You can literally create a fixed point because you're not going to screw anything else up. This is a very calm place. It's very yeah, calm. I like very, that. It's very silent. That one, I'm glad you brought that up, Brian, because that is one that I do like, and it explains that those other questions like we were posed with in the beginning of this season with Impossible Astronaut. Yes, that's one praise that I do have about this in my compliment sandwich. And I also I also like the fact that we don't really hear about it ever again. It's like I could totally see Moffat turning into something that we're in a still moment. Let's make sure we don't create a, you know, a fixed point. You know, I'm just very glad that it's just mentioned. It's just there. And then we move on. Yeah, the, the other thing I like about, or I, I love and hate this part, but we get a mention of Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, where he's trying to call, you know, on his, his allies. And to me, watching this again, it's like, I got emotional because now I know who uh, the Brigadier is. And the fact that the actor passed away, that they couldn't, I guess, use him. And that's probably why um, Moffat threw that in there, because he just grew up with that character. And my in my mind, I'm... I'm putting it that the doctor would have written an envelope for the brigadier, but now that he passed away, he can't right. deliver that. I said last night that at that moment, a part of me kind of wishes that he had pulled the card out of his pocket yeah. and either tore it up or put it down. Kind of did want to see that. So the, the well, it made me that, angry. Mm -hmm. It well, made um, me angry. It pulled me right out of the show because I know that the actor died that year. I know that when we were watching it. He died in February. They put it in and it was a nice little homage to him, but it didn't fit the story. The doctor's being pissed. He's being all grandiose and victorious and saying, I can do anything. I can go to any of Jack's parties. I can go help Rose with her homework and do all that in the, you know, in the same moment, in the same hour. You know, he's doing all this stuff. Well, if you're going to say goodbye to him, you know when he's going to die. You knew that back in, you know, when you were the seventh doctor. <laughs> so it's just sort of it pissed me off going you're putting this in there just to honor this actor which is great but you're hurting the story in my view for it because you pulled me out it makes no sense why that changed your mind most of modern who watchers watch from 2005 up have no idea who the brigadier is that's that it doesn't have the emotional impact that it should and if somehow it's somehow it's like that would have been happened 
earlier in the episode when he's traveling, when he was with Craig, even if it happened in the last episode, you know, just something where I went to visit him, you know, and that, I don't know, it just, you needed to honor him, and that's great. And I think if it's the beginning of the episode, that would have been good. Or even just to bring up the him as somebody important, either you know, at the beginning to say how I've known some great people, yada, yada. And then when he calls up, he would have, no, he passed away. And the doctor would have, you know, forgotten about that. And then he would have had that revelation at that moment. Can, I can can't I, do this. How, this is how I was imagining it. Earlier on, if they had just paid homage to the brigadier and the actor, early in the episode, uh, with no real significance to the plot, it just happens. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm collecting all my friends. I want to collect the brigadier. Oh, the brigadier has passed. Oh, that's a shame. What I wanted, I, I would have wanted that to happen. And then in the scene in the TARDIS, when the doctor is saying, I can do whatever I want. I can go watch Rose with her. I can go help Rose with her homework. I can go to Captain Jack stag parties. I can do anything I want. I wanted someone there at that moment to say, but you can't go back and visit the Brigadier. Because I think that would have been such an emotional moment to literally stop the Doctor from his ramp and go, oh yeah, I'm not all powerful. And I I don't think the Doctor could go back and see Rose do her homework or go back and see any of that because he can't cross his own timeline. Like, I think he can say that, but I don't think he really could. And so he was getting grandiose with himself. That's why the call to the Brigadier, like, stops him because he was getting, like, I can do all this again. And then that, like, deflated it. But at the ending of his 10th life, he did go back and see Rose. He did go back to other people who weren't there anymore. So but he, he could didn't, do it. But he didn't interact with them. He just yes. yeah, he did he said, oh, you're going to have a good year. Yeah, well, he, he shouldn't be able to. It did not have that emotional impact for me. I did not get that. And, and I think I'm okay with this uh, reference to the Brigadier because the one that happens later is the one that makes me as angry as you are now, Frank. And if, yes, and, it did then too. It really pissed me off then. And I like this one slightly better. And I think that's why I'm okay with it. Because the other one is just the worst. I agree. <laughs> Eugene, we have a two-headed coin this time. <laughs> Uh, but I do, but I do want to mention that the actor Nicholas Courtney did reprise his role as the Brigadier one last time in 2008, and it's in the Enemy of the Bane, which is a Sarah Jane Adventures story. Cool. So he never got a regular Doctor Who episode. Unfortunately, not because, uh, like Frank mentioned, he uh, he passed away in February of 2011, and then this episode aired on October. And his last episodes were in the 70s, right? Uh, in the 80s. It okay. is Battlefield with the Seventh Doctor. Oh, hold on. Okay. The... <laughs> yeah, wasn't he Never mind. With, with Ace, right? <laughs> yeah, Ace and the Seventh Doctor. And it fulfills that prophecy it was said in that episode that he will die peacefully in his sleep. And that's what happens here. Because <laughs> I'm confused. After Dorian tells him the question, what is Dorian? I didn't think that Dorian told him the actual question. What is he? Does he tell him the actual what the question is? I thought that was yes, he does, the but very not end. that we heard. We did not hear him say it at this point. Oh, he, he just told says, the doctor. I will tell you the question, and then it cuts to something else. And then the doctor takes his head into the TARDIS and goes, "I told you what is going on. You know what the question is now." Oh, okay, okay. So but then we made the don't doctor take question. Dorian. But Correct. we don't, we the audience don't know the question. Okay, I thought I had missed something. <laughs> so what, what happened at the very, very last part of the show? That's not him saying it? That is. Oh, all right, okay. That's when we find out what the question is. That's when yeah. we learn it, right. 
in a previous uh, episode of this podcast, I had brought up the theory that the Pandorica was going to try and stop the Doctor, and in this reality, it was Kavarian, and that they were separate. And now it's like, they aren't. And that took me a long time to figure out, because um, the original catchphrase was, Pandorica will open, silence will fall. But those are two different things. They're not cause and effect. It's like, you know, go to the store and buy milk, go to the store and buy bread. And if you go to the store and ask, where's the milk bread? It's not the same thing. It's not one or the other. It's two separate items. It's, it's not like when the Pandorica opens, the silence will fall. That, that isn't right. the statement. Right. And that, I just finally got that. And if you put both of the timelines together, it's the Pandorica will open, silence will fall when the question is asked. So it's not contradictory like I had thought before. And that's one good thing about this episode. It seemed like it merged those together because all time is merging. But it's like, oh, so it's not as different or as opposite as I thought it was back then. So I just wanted to clarify that a bit. I thought, okay, that I'm feeling a lot better about the whole Pandorica thing and all of that stuff. And I like the little uh, exchange between the doctor and River on the lake. Did you want to go for that, Eugene, or do you know what I'm talking about? No, go ahead. You can start, Frank. I'm sure well, I'll just, add on to it. The doctor was shocked that River didn't shoot him because this is the way it's supposed to be. And he goes, what did you do? You know, uh, time can't be rewritten. And she goes, um, oh, she goes, time can be rewritten. Sorry. See, this is why I wanted you to do it. OK. <laughs> this is what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> So when uh, River is in the spacesuit and she's going to shoot the doctor, she doesn't. She discharges her weapon and the doctor opens his eyes and says, what, what are you doing? Time can't be rewritten. And she, she says, yes, it can. And which is the counter to what happens in... Take it again. Take it again. Because um, he asks, what are you doing? You know, it's a fixed point in time. She goes, time can be rewritten. And he goes, don't you dare. Yes, I think which, that's the key phrase was don't you dare because that's what River said when it was yes. her time to die. Oh, really? That's, that's the counter to what happens in Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead where River is giving up her life for the Tenth Doctor. So I thought that that was a nice symmetry between the two characters. Yes, I love that part. That's one that I do like. <laughs> so it's not all doom and gloom with me. I'm pointing out the good stuff. Again, we're on the double-headed coin. So yay. <laughs> I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> A double tail coin? <laughs> One thing that is really nice about that conversation then between the doctor and um, uh, Dorian is at the end when, when the brigadier doesn't answer, the doctor does realize it's time and is prepared to go. So that was nice. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, sorry, I think there's a thing before when the, they're talking with Dorium where doc, the doctor says, Time never lays a hand on me. I don't remember that line. Me neither. What was the line again? Time never lays a hand on me. Where he's talking, he's trying to call the brigadier. It's like that's right, the moment. Right. It's like that's what I needed in the Demon's Run episode, A Good Man Goes to War. I needed that sort of hubris, I guess. So I'm glad it's here because that's that's you know what I wanted, but I just wish it was also in the Demons Run episode. Mm -hmm. As the Doctor calmly tells the story to the Emperor, he notices markings on his arm, and Churchill realizes that he's holding a recently fired gun. There are silence in the room, but they keep forgetting. Suddenly, a blast bomb rolls past them, and a squad of soldiers led by Amy secures the room. They're all wearing distinctive eye patches like Madame Kavarian's. Amy approaches the doctor, but instead of greeting him, she stuns him unconscious. Later, the doctor wakes up on a train where Amy tells him that she and others noticed that there was something wrong with time. She has memories of him dying, but also not dying, at Lake Silencio. 
The doctor explains that time is disintegrating and all history is happening at once, which will cause reality to collapse. Captain Rory Williams arrives to report that they are near their destination, a pyramid in Cairo, and to be certain that all eye drives are activated. In this scene, Churchill is using again the Webley pistol that Captain Jack has. So it's like they're just passing this pistol around or it's the same prop. <laughs> and I thought it was a it was a great reveal when the doctor sees on his arm the hash marks and then he gets his spear in the right arm and it's more filled with hash marks. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part of that sequence is uh, I noticed the gun right away and I kind of thought like, oh, Churchill is keeping an eye on, on the soothsayer. And then as it went on uh, and we started to realize what was happening the idea of them defending themselves when they saw the silence and that was we don't have the memory of it just like they don't have the memory of it and that's why he actually has the gun is something happened off screen yeah. Or, or or not even off screen they just don't remember because right well, because he, he just stops his conversation and goes gunpowder i oh, fired gun this and then he pulls up his hand and it's like that that was smart writing for oh, me oh right i, I yes. actually didn't catch that yeah that I, I, line that was, really caught me was uh i found that little piece brilliant i really really loved it another thing i like about this episode <laughs> yeah and as the doctor raises his hand because it's out of the shot you can't see it there's a pike in it and it's like he didn't have that right. the last time right. we saw him so i, I thought right. that was done really well the way they edited that into the other story seeing all the hashtags it's like yeah <laughs> we know we know why it's happening yeah. because we see those hashtags in the beginning i thought Is it was that great I, that part i did like i thought that was done well i agree have they ever showed us that perspective before? Did they ever sh make it look like we were also forgetting as an audience? Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that is the first time we felt it. It impacted me differently. I think it yeah. is the first time, Heather, that we felt that it. We f yeah, and that's yeah, because yeah. of the editing. So we had a feeling that time had gone on. Okay, yeah. As watchers, because he's telling the story. And then when we come back, it's like, okay, what happened while he was telling the story? Yeah. So that's the first time we actually got to feel it. And I agree with you, I, it's different. And I like that feeling a lot. It was cool. <laughs> And the staging of the way they did those shots where the 11th Doctor is in like the extreme foreground of the shot where Matt Smith is holding that pike, but you do not see it because of the way it's framed. Right. And then Winston Churchill is in the further back background and he gets closer as the doctor is explaining. And then so when he gets closer, he can hide the pistol and then pulls it up just the way the doctor pulls like, you know, like this. You don't see that. And, and I thought that that was great that uh, they staged it that well. Yeah. I don't know when the movie uh, Memento came out, but I feel like the first time we had the silence, mm. it was it was horror based and not not like that. But in between then and now, this is very Memento in the reveals to the audience of what is happening. And yes, it works very nicely here. I like it a lot. Do you want to guess how old that movie is? Oh no, I was just gonna say nobody looked this uh, up. Early nineties. Close. Close. Mid nineties, late two thousand, two thousand. Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah, so it was time. before this. So yeah, somebody like in between writing the first silence and this one was like, wait a minute, Christopher Nolan did a movie about this. Let's let's ape him. <laughs> I like the idea of Area Fifty Two being in a pyramid. <laughs> I just like. I was like, it, yeah, we would destroy uh, Egypt, you know, ancient tombs like that. Just build right inside. And this pyramid isn't necessarily ancient. It could just be newly built. Like it's the whole history merging. Right. Oh, true. It's all right. ancient and not. Right. When we went inside the train office, it was a really cool idea. <laughs> and it was revealed that Amy knew what was going on. 
or that Amy had a memory of the doctor, I suppose. I was so relieved that we didn't have to go through like another rehash. Yes. And then they immediately kind of blew it by by Rory not her not remembering Rory, and I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> we were so close. <laughs> Why does this I keep like happening that. to them? Was, but that one I kind of liked. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta say, I her drawing of him being some handsome, suave guy was was worth the joke. <laughs> it didn't bo- it didn't bother me. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh yes, we don't have to go through another one of these scenarios, right. and then I was like, <laughs> almost. <laughs> Well, because of that, I think we got to see, you know, a good side of Rory. Yeah. It made his character different, but still loyal. And you really still like Rory. Yeah. And then, and so Amy, too, is now a different person. It's not like she's all infatuated with the Doctor. She is, you know, thinking about Rory. But also, too, with the way, and then the way that she reveals it to him, what is going on. It's one sentence very quick. They made a joke out of it. So they didn't really draw it out as much as you were worried they would. But, um, yeah. But I loved her eye acting, you know, when the doctor is trying to explain to her that they've been friends. This is a different timeline. And just her eye was just saying, duh, look around you. <laughs> I loved it. Her attitude. Her Oh, she did so well. Well, speaking of understanding, even when she hands the doctor the TARDIS, his response is just, oh, like, it is nice. They, they do keep that moving very quickly yeah, yeah. with, like, minimal dialogue. I like that the eye patches are getting explained and even previously when the doctor realizes that it's his silence that's going to be the one that falls. I like that as well. I like it but it also at the same time it poses it was already enough of a coincidence that there was Lake Silencio and the silence and now it was like oh we weren't talking about either of those we were talking about your silence. It's kind of like the trifecta of coincidences. They have to throw you off the case. Yeah I do like it story-wise though I enjoy it but I was distracted by like yeah. I can see I can see how it's problematic, but for me, I was just like, mm, okay, I, yeah. I don't mind that. I'll, I'll buy that, that we, I, we've changed the meaning of, of the, the thing we've been hearing for two seasons. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting some answers to season-long questions. I will say it had more meaning. The, the, it's his silence. You know, it, 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 it harkens back to a lot of his personality and the things that he's done and all that stuff and how powerful he is or how powerful he thinks he is and all stuff it's a lot better than well what does bad wolf mean what's the name of that bay oh, <laughs> that's bad wolf bay? i mean the, the idea the of ba- the idea of, of oh, bad wolf bad, yeah but the idea of the bad wolf words being you know strewn across the universe is great but what does bad wolf mean oh it's the name of the lake Mm-hmm. But that's different, Josh, for me, because that was seeded knowing what Bad Wolf was going to be. No, I'm no, I'm just making an observation. Be, this one is like, no, you changed the whole thing, and it still bugs me, and I didn't like that. I didn't think yeah. that was a good payoff at all. It's definitely retrofitting an idea. Yes, I just, I just remember from season one years ago, I was waiting to find out what those words meant, and they didn't mean anything. Just that, pa- that part of the idea. I'm just comparing the two. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> resting any, any, any emotion on it. They give the doctor an eye patch, which is really an exterior memory drive that can allow the wearer to remember the silence. Amy leads the doctor past silence held in individual cells to the command center where River is waiting, along with a tied-up Madame Kavarian. The doctor grabs River's arm, knowing that this will cause time to begin moving, restoring the proper reality. Soldiers pull the doctor from River, as she would rather destroy reality than kill him. At that moment, the silence break out of their cells and head toward the command center. 
Madame Kvarian smirks and tells them the Silence were never captives, just waiting to spring their trap. The Silence send electricity to the eye drives, and as soldiers die around them, the Doctor, River, and Amy are able to remove theirs. Rory volunteers to stay behind to hold back the Silence while Amy, the Doctor, and River escape. At the last moment, Amy returns and saves Rory's life. Madame Kavarian asks Amy for mercy, but River's mother instead secures the patch to her eye, which beams with electricity. Meaning that what she, Amy said at the end, she didn't get everything from you, sweetie, and was River's mother at that point. <laughs> Special electricity that affects everyone differently depending on who they are as a person. <laughs> well, Varian did say it was either death or disability agony. Right. Oh, I didn't hear her that yeah. line. But she did say that, and that's why Rory was able to fight it for right. as long as he could. Yeah, no, that I, will. I like it. I, I like it because, you know, if it creates that moment with Rory, then I like it. <laughs> this is also why in Doctor Who, you never put, like, a device on you that everyone else has on them. Like, that's true. You just don't do it. Is Even in real good? life, I'm sometimes like, should I... Put the earbud in? <laughs> I know, we all have to do that now, all on Zoom, and it's like, oh my gosh, we are becoming that. <laughs> it does feel sort of convenient that it, uh, Rory can withhold, like, the pain, but then at the moment they break through, he's uh, oh, weakened, he and then yeah. aim, aim just comes back because suddenly she remembers right that to me felt very just writer convenience they wanted both moments they wanted rory to be awesome and then amy to save rory but but, but that's such a trope I, yeah like if if anything it could be he ran out of bullets and then she shows up you know something like that you know who knows? there could have been any number of things yeah, they, but yeah. yeah they took a shortcut but emotionally it worked and mm -hmm. i'll always if 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 something that I don't really like story-wise or writing-wise makes me feel something, I'll always side with that, so. And then the other thing I wanted to point out was when Rory's looking up at the water leaking, they do that thing with the iris again that they did with the skull pit. I'm like, why are you going to use that same thing? I don't know what happened with the second unit. They just probably couldn't get the camera to pick up the water drops or something. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that probably was it, trying to be able to see the water drop. And so they had to film it a little bit yeah, differently, I mean, but there's a whole waters of Mars that water will find a way idea right. that got me. Well, yeah. and also water is patient because they've been waiting in their cells for how long? Right. Well, there is no what? time. <laughs> yeah. For how long? Yes. <laughs> I think there is some timey-wimeyness around Amy's memory in general. Uh, right. know, throughout many episodes so like in these moments she's remembering rory and it, i think it's kind of like her magic memory things that start to happen mm -hmm. yeah i think i think we don't question amy's um specialness in this case is because that's who we've kind of built on a, a season and a half of like why she's special she's able to remember the universe the proper way at the end of season five with the big bang like remembering the doctor back into existence it's just like to me i want more of something with like churchill so mm -hmm. that's why i i'm okay with amy because of it's it's kind of like the setup and the premise is there for this payoff right i do wish that when the silence first broke out and all of the other guards were fighting that some of the silence would fall <laughs> i guess <laughs> you know because they are affected by bullets they're not bulletproof they do. You know, oh, oh no! We've seen that when, in when the orphanage and stuff. It's like no. So I wish they would have shown some damage on both sides rather than just coming up. 
I did notice in the editing and shot choice, they were avoiding certain gun violence and, and reactions yeah. to it. Uh, so speaking of guns, we've seen those G36s before. <laughs> those are the ones that uh, those are the ones that Jack uses on Satellite Five to uh, hold off the Daleks with the remaining uh, humanity, like banding together to defeat them in Season One with Christopher Eccleston. And then Rory's pistol that he uses is the one that they use in uh, Torchwood for all the. It's like standard issue for the Torchwood team. This is Eugene's gun moment, brought to you by the NRA. <laughs> Yeah, something that took me out of the episode is when uh, Rory goes to chuck the seals with his finger and his eyes. Like, you would have a device. Like, maybe if he had a device, he would have noticed that there was something, <laughs> actually was something up with the seals. The director was like, you have some business, just do something. Yeah, like, yeah. What, I don't have anything to work with. He didn't take improv class. What if it was more just captain williams wanted to hang around but didn't have didn't the the way to express that other than right. i'll go check the seals and then he just like walks two feet and like stays there stroking the window oh, ready to talk to me now okay <laughs> i mean <laughs> or, or maybe he's sitting there thinking god i wish i studied more in seals class <laughs> hey you don't know this alternate timeline okay you yeah. don't any of these could be true that's true or all of them every single one at the possibly. same time but what's funny about that scene is that the doctor comes in awkwardly trying yeah. to play matchmaker with right. Amy and Rory. So the awkwardness of Rory doing this yeah, yeah. is combined with the doctor's awkwardness of matchmaking. <laughs> maybe maybe what Rory's doing, he's breathing on the glass and, <gasps> and doing a heart, Amy and Rory. <laughs> uh, think he got it. No. And then the doctor comes by, he's like, oh, gotta get that out of there. <laughs> Checking the seals. Checking the seals. He's writing like to the silence, like he's writing backwards, like, you suck. <laughs> Stay quiet. Shut up. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> oh, before we go on, there was one line in there that I thought was great. A funny line that the silence delivered. You know, Rory Williams, the man who dies and dies again. Right. <laughs> it's just that we have him dying and dying, and we keep saying, oh, Rory's dying, and that the silence know about that. Uh, everyone like, knows yeah. that. It's like, it's almost <laughs> the Peter again. Jones, yes, we know who you are. But it is almost like, yes, that's me. <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Amy and Rory join the Doctor and River at the top of the pyramid, where they are arguing about whether the Doctor needs to die or not. Making a quick decision, the Doctor uses his bow tie to bind River and him in a hand-fastening marriage ritual. The Doctor whispers something to River, and she looks him in the eye. He asks her, as his wife, to help him and return everything to normal. She agrees, and they kiss, which restarts time. They appear at Lake Silencio, where River is in the spacesuit, kills the Doctor, and all has returned to normal. All I could think of was the whatchamacallit in Las Vegas, uh, the Luxor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> but then when uh, Rory has the question, he's like, what the heck is going on here? And Amy just goes, we have a daughter. She's there. And right, Mary, yeah, yeah. I was he's like, a, I'm fine okay. with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his delivery was just like, I accept all of this that you have just told me out of nowhere. <laughs>
There's no time for this right now, even though time doesn't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't get that he accepted it. Well, in that way, like understanding like a flippant, he's like, okay, that's where we're at. And you have a lot of explaining to do a little later, but let's go with I it. I wondered what was the purpose of River building this device that says the doctor needs help. And she actually says it goes out of this little time bubble that we're stuck in. So the universe isn't stuck. Yeah. And it also doesn't, it, it nothing comes of it. It doesn't pay off, you know, it's like, okay, well, everybody likes the doctor. Well, that's nice. Um, let's let's go back to killing him. It just it's just there and drops out. It really took the wind out of the sails of the threat that he was talking about. If all time and existence will be gone, except for the people who aren't here right now. Yeah, it's just it was it was, it was just yeah. an odd thing. It's like they needed some some way to figure to get them up to the top of the pyramid and to have a nice little device thing that looks like an altar, so that they could have this ceremony. And it's like I didn't even but, I didn't even think of that. But 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 but. But why? Yeah. Not only that, it's also well, we've already used this we call everyone in the universe thing. Yeah. Like maybe more than once, not that long ago. A number of times, yeah. This is really going to lose impact if you keep doing it. Yeah. It, it also that, felt like they wanted to do the counter of what happened in, in Pandora. The, uh, yeah, well, earlier this season where everybody is now fearing the doctor, they kind of wanted to... Right. do the opposite where everybody wanted to help the doctor yeah this felt weird but again i think it i think it falls into what frank was complaining about before it's just kind of like they want to do contradictory ideas so they shove them together in a sandwich and then you're like well this doesn't really taste good but i guess i won't be hungry after well I'm on the opposite side, Josh. The way I saw it was that's the doctor realizing that he did get too big. It's like, you're trying to contact everybody and this bubble was the bomb, kind of like when Pandora and stuff. It's just sort of, when this explodes, then it's gonna affect all out to reality. But right now, this is where it's all congregated. Oh, it's the epicenter of what's I happening. See. All right, I get it now. So it, and the, they are, so right. So this will destroy everyone, even the people who are outside our bubble right. at the moment. All right, there that's you go. how I saw it. And also, there was a theory that I heard, I can't remember where on what stayed with me, that River says she sent that all the way through time and space from beginning to end, the doctor needs help. And if you don't know who the doctor is, they're going to ask at the beginning of time, Doctor Who. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if that's just I, I think pretty sure it's not written that way I think that is so that's I think is more just a fan idea to get it and it kind of works I'm not sure if I totally buy into it but it's just a good theory that okay I wouldn't be surprised if you know Moffat's Dr. Love basically were taking the idea of the God complex and kind of creating a metaphor for the first question you know being like who is God or who created me and it's sort and of you like bring a, up the God complex on this because this is retconned later on as to where that question came from. It is told in canon later on, retroed, same as what's happened in the God complex as to what did the doctor see in his room. That's shown later on. Okay, I don't recall. So, again, all retro. Right, 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 right. I have another issue, sorry. I'm kind of monopolizing this, I guess, with my issues. Okay, if there's any uh, good uh, psychologists out there, I would like to talk to you, just contact us. So Frank, uh, know... how does this make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I wanna know why the doctor lied and said, I just told you my name. I oh, think, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna... <laughs> I, I was going to say because Moffat posed that question in Silence of the Library, so he's kind of revisiting old hits, if you will. That's how I took it. 
Exactly, it, but he didn't tell her his name. Yeah, I know. Well, that. Yeah, but we don't know that he didn't tell her. Well, that was actually a question I was going to have before we ended the podcast. But in that moment, okay. I felt he was trying to throw Amy and Rory off, so they, they didn't know. Kind of. I also kind of take it as he's, he's already told her his name. Okay, yeah, because that, that posed the question to me, like, well, then does, when does River learn his name? Because we know for a fact she knows his name. So she knows something else. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't think she knows it. Well, I don't yet. think we know if she knows it yet. Right. We don't, but that's how I take no, it. No, we know she knows it because of the, her first appearance. Not yet, in her timeline. Yeah, her not yet. Right, 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 right. This is just a, this is just a... When I have... I'd say, why could they just left that line out? You did not need it. You did not need to try and fake out Amy and Rory and fake oh, out Oh, he could have just whispered something. Just whispered something, looked yeah. back and said, now the next line as my I think it was, uh, I think it was, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I like it too, but I, I do think it's just them being precious with their show and their words and their ideas. <laughs> being precious. Yeah, like, we're, otherwise it would really seem like I'm not gonna be dead. <laughs> you, you know, this way you, you give an identity to a mislead. So, so, and I, I think we were even talking about this in some other way too. Oh, so the sign with the, the bit with the silence and Churchill has the gun and he has the spear and all that stuff. That scene is about something else, but it's also about the thing that we don't know about. So it's kind of like two things are happening at once, but you need to give uh, the actions meaning so the audience doesn't anticipate the, uh, the secret, the twist. I get that and I totally disagree in my point of view. I think it's a slap in the face. I think it's a, we're gonna try and just trick the audience. It has nothing to do with Amy and Rory in my mind. That's not why he said it. He didn't say it to Amy and Rory. He just said it because of the audience. It was a line directly to the audience to mislead them, not to be coy or interesting or lay some foundation. It was to, I wanna lie to you right now. I'm gonna go with Frank on this one. I wanna lie as a writer to you, the audience, and just you know, psych you out and go, ha ha, you fell for it. He does look over at Amy and Roy before he says that line, you know, and then says, I just whispered you my name. Almost like a go with this. We, they can't know yet. So, and yeah, said, nudge, don't nudge, tell nudge, anybody. Wink, wink. But he also just said, don't tell anybody what I told you. And she goes, oh, I'm going to tell Amy. I'm going to go tell Amy. And she does. So what? Women can't <laughs> keep a secret? <laughs> Oh, if you, if you, what you're saying is that it's for Amy and Rory, he is telling her, do not tell Amy and Rory. If he said that line for it, don't tell Amy and Rory that I'm in here. Yeah, right now. Because but then never, but... ever, ever. <laughs> no, I think after no. the, after the danger is over, there's no threat because they because that moment had to actually exist that the universe thinks she killed the doctor and to protect Amy and Rory so they don't get in any kind of other trouble that's why he dropped them off after the god complex don't tell them let them think I'm dead so they can go on with their yeah, lives those were two different reasons if that's those are you two know, if that reasons. is the reason he did it for Amy and Rory's storyline no those are two I see those him leaving them at a house in suburbia is him is, is is just him kind of like it's like the old yeller thing it's just like I'm not good for anyone um him making sure they don't know in the moment with river is about that the universe needs to think i'm dead in that moment that fixed moment that's what that's so you about. agree that he didn't mean amy and rory he meant everyone in existence including amy and rory and for river it's an old secret yeah <laughs> Sometime later, River visits Amy in her backyard. She tells Amy that she just returned from the Byzantium. Amy tells her the doctor is dead, and she is torn about killing Madame Kovarian. 
even though it was a different reality, she remembers, and so it is still real with her. River tells Amy the doctor isn't really dead. The doctor they were dealing with was the Tesselecta, with the real doctor miniaturized inside. Rory arrives and is let in on the switcheroo, and they all celebrate. The doctor has become too high profile and needs to slip back into the shadows for a time. He returns Dorium's head to the crypt, who reminds him that Trenzalore and the prophecy will still happen. The question will be asked. The first question. The question he has been running from all his life. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. <laughs> So in the, when we first go to Lake Silencio and we see the doctor die, is that the Tesselecta? Yes. It all so depends on how you see time. Where did the time energy, like the regeneration energy come from? As Moffat said, you're seeing a Tesselecta has been changed looks and changed into a motorcycle and you're worried about electricity? I'm worried about <laughs> so time energy. It can produce that look. It's not, it just looks like it. You know, so he's like, oh, with all that, that's what they could do. They can make it look that way. Right. But depending on how you view time and if Amy, when Amy knows things and when the doctor is, it could be a complete, like one piece of string that then has a loop in it and then continues on. I see so at that point when... where it crosses, could have been the real doctor and now it's a Tesselecta. It's kind of, depending on how you see it. I see it as like when Marty first saw Doc Brown die, but like, did he really die in that moment? Doc, right. Dr. Brown die in that moment? Or is it the second time we see is that, you know, so which which was the real, were they both the real? Is it a constant loop that, all, that started at this point, but then at the same time always existed, you know? Yeah, I, that's what I love about time travel stuff. Mm -hmm. But again, this reason I thought this should be explored a lot more and a lot more information given to us. Is Madame Kaverian dead in this reality? Oh, Amy killed her in the other one. I forgot Amy, all about she, her. I Maybe think she that's died open. at Demon's Run. Oh, yeah. I think oh no, no, because we see her later with River as a right. grown up. Or... Yeah, I think that is open she... to whatever they would, it leaves it open to whatever. The but script... it has consequences, because if she's still alive in this version, meaning that things didn't happen in the other, is River the doctor's wife? Well, Could I guess that that, that's a matter of, happen? well, if she remembers it, then yes, that sort of thing. If, if it's remembered, it's still still there. But it's all thing she remembers killing Kaverian, but then Kaverian can come back and stab her and go, but I remember you being dead, so it happened. Well, yeah, well, no, that's, that's it's, exactly it's, what Amy, that's exactly what Amy said. Like, it may have not happened in this reality, but I remember it, so it did happen to me. Right, but that's still not real reality. Well, yeah, timey-wimey, like, wibbly-wobbly. Kaverian could still be a threat to them. Sure. Or is she not? That's the question, but that's the question going, emotionally, it happened to you because you remember it. It's right. not outside of your head. It's different. That's reality going, right. did it happen in this reality? Not in your head, and not how you feel. Right. But outside that, and that I want answer. But is that's Kaverian a, the, alive? The, it's a paradox. There is no answer. But but the answer to that in our reality is we don't see Madame Kavarian again. So I take it as Yet. she is dead. Yet. Right. But of all this run of Moffats, we haven't. This is her last appearance. That's all. That's it. That's the whole thing. We don't know. And I wanted yeah. a little more tied up with that because the hand fastening, I thought was great. That's everywhere now. I mean, Brian and I had it in our wedding way back when, when everyone, no one really heard about it because it was an old Celtic ritual. And now it's in a lot of different TV shows. I see it everywhere. My niece had it in a Christian wedding. It's like, wow, <laughs> it's just like everywhere now. Well, maybe, so, I think maybe that, it that... was always there. And it's like when you get your new car, you start seeing your car everywhere else. <laughs> 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 Very true. That, that could definitely be. Well, story-wise, though, that bit 
there wasn't about Madame Kavarian. It was about Amy killing someone or letting mm -hmm. someone die. That's what that moment was about. So the 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 bad guy, Madame Kavarian, was just a tool to put the, our character through, you know, an experience, and that's what it was for. No, I get that, and I liked that she still remembers it and that she feels it and is torn because. You know, I'm torn. It's like, yay, Amy, she did it, and go, oh my gosh, what does that mean about me? You know, it's she killed her. It's like I'm happy, right. and that's not the way I should feel about someone being killed. But it's so really? evil, and this is such a black and white the number of people in the news situation. Argue that point with exactly, and that's the whole ethical question, which I'd love to explore more. I want more of that. If you compare like a wedding uh, act of being connected to somebody, those two people are going to remember that. So that's something internally where killing somebody is something more external. Right. But I'm talking about like character motivations because to, to them that is something tangible where killing somebody is, is more, um, it's the science fiction of this show. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, that's where the okay. questions are coming from. So I, uh, them, yeah, them being married, I think happened. And then the other part of did Amy kill Madame Kavarian? That's up in the air. I mean, so. I think for the doctor and River, it happened. And those yeah. are the people that it matters too. Okay. Because they can remember both. Yeah. Okay. I definitely get to you. Thank you. Thank you, Eugene. For me, that clarified it. I think the problem is is that there's so much else happening in this episode you forget like that this is the actual really the wedding and what the wedding entails because you know there's so much in this episode that's not about that right so you don't even think about it i think but i don't know just the his response of like well let's get married and then now that you're you're you've calmed down a bit you'll kiss me and then we'll like <laughs> we'll do what i wanted to do this whole time which is get back to the lake because i've got a plan and you didn't trust that i had a plan so i don't know it's just it was just weird it just didn't feel so great for me watching it this this time around could also if you want to take it a different way it could also be that he wants to show her that they have a future together Oh. I'm getting married. No one, no one not would get married before they died? Me. No, because look in my eye and she sees that he's alive and he has the plan. And it's like, and I'm marrying you because we have a future together. Okay. Wait, so did did she marry the doctor? Or did she marry the Tesselecta? <laughs> well, the doctor is tiny miniature inside yeah, the Tesselecta. he's controlling it. Okay. It's him. It's Which him. is a question I have after she shoots the Tesselecta, where does miniature doctor go? He's there. He's, he's in it. No, he no no. He says he got barely singed in the fire, so he's at oh, least right. there when they burn the body. Right. And if you see, oh, I think the okay. TARDIS is in the Tesselecta with him when you see oh, him in the eye. It? Oh, okay. So he has it, and they were in the fire, and yeah, then they got out. But to your point, over, that's like if you got married in a car, would you say, "Did you marry me, or did you marry my car?" Mm, that's true. <laughs> but if your car was the one saying the vows, like <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> there is a prequel to this episode and it was released online it has them in area 52 the soldiers or marines are patrolling the captured silence and there's another TikTok song lyric that is uh, given in this prequel, and then it ends with River. 
Well, and you have to watch it before this weekend because TikTok is going to be banned no, in the right. U.S. Oh, right. <laughs> Very smart. So going through the cast, Frances Barber, we've met before. She is Madame Kavarian. This is the last time we see her. Simon Fisher-Becker plays Dorian Maldivore. This is the last time we see him. Ian McNeese plays Winston Churchill, and he was in, uh, I think we mentioned this earlier in our in the Victory of the Daleks episode, he was in Rome as the like announcer. He was in Dune and Children of Dune, the sci-fi, the sci-fi uh, miniseries is as Baron Harkonnen, and he was uh, Fulton Greenwall in Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. And this is the last time we see Winston Churchill. Nicholas Briggs voices the single Dalek that we see. Richard Hope reprises his role as Dr. Malake, and he was in Broadchurch season three as Arthur Tanworth, and he's the owner of the house where the party happens, if you've seen season three. And we previously saw him in his makeup in Cold Blood, and we will see him next season. He plays hmm. a different character. Hmm. Arnix van der Broeke plays one of the Silence, and he is from the Netherlands. Simon Callow, who we mentioned earlier, plays Charles Dickens. He also plays Duke of Sandringham in Outlander, and he was in the Sarah Jane Adventures, The Gift. He plays the Tree Blatherine voice, which is another Slither, uh, Slitheen. Hmm. And he was also in Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. He plays Vincent Cadby with with Ian McNeese. And another Doctor Who connection is that he was in the Street Fighter movie in the 1994 live action Street Fighter movie with Kylie Minogue, who, who was in Voyage of the Damned. <laughs> I have a couple more. Or do you wanna... <laughs> he was also very well known for being in Four Weddings and a Funeral. I think it was his first big movie in the States. Sean Williams and mm -hmm. Bill Turnbill, they play themselves. They are the UK news anchors. And then we mentioned Meredith Williams, but that's Fiera, yeah, it changed. Or, you know, she got married. Uh, she plays herself. Then Niall Grieg Fulton plays Gideon Vandalore. He was the one with the eye patch that the uh, Tesselecta was impersonating. And he played Satan in Good Omens and Monsignor Forez in Outlander. Mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned Mark Gaddis. And then Emma Campbell Jones plays Dr. Kent. She is the scientist in Area 52. Mm. That uh, I think she's the, one of the first ones to go with the eye patch. And uh, we will see her again as a different character. Richard Delane plays Carter. The last time we saw him was in Let's Kill Hitler as the captain of the Tesselecta. And then uh, we get John Davy as one of the Marines. He usually plays a creature. And then William Morgan Shepard makes an appearance as archival footage of Canton Delaware III in uh, The Impossible Astronaut. Oh, Moffat did confirm that the eye patch look for the eye drives in these episodes in season six was a tribute also to Nicholas Courtney, who wore an eye patch when playing an alternate version of the Brigadier in Inferno. That was in 1970. I mean, does that mean they've been a callback to him the whole time? Yeah. They've been I wearing so. these eye patches for a while, so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> of River Song, who is this episode good for? Or more specifically, this episode is good for who? A new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? Uh, I think I'm going to put this episode into a fan category. Not not saying anything bad about 
the the episode itself just that you know as the end of a, a season like you don't want to i wouldn't use this to initiate anyone into doctor who because it is wrapping up a lot and it's also hard enough to follow for us who are <laughs> i think more than casual fans so that's why i'm going to put it into a fan category because it's it's also an episode i've never revisited except for fan activities such as podcasting and activities such as <laughs> and or <laughs> Including up <Swift>. to. <laughs> Select all which apply. <laughs> I'll go next since I didn't. I mean, I haven't really said much this episode because I just have no emotional feelings really attached to it. And I'm more I'm more of an emotional watcher than a, um, you know, like I don't I don't like to try and follow timelines and figure stuff out that are super complicated. That's not where I get enjoyment. For me, this episode was just a bunch of facts and information being hurled at me with a few moments of cool stuff. So I, I'm going to put it in fan as well, because if I had just happened to see this episode, I'd probably be like, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so fan, I'm in fan. Um, I mean, I wish that this had been like mentioned earlier on a two-parter so I could just answer the question did it live up to the first part because I feel like that would be an easier question to answer than who is this episode good for and I don't know I mean I yeah um so I'm gonna put it in die hard and say that like people who like this episode like all the episodes so it's die hard for me I think in my yeah, in my brain, a fan would be someone who watches it in order. And so I think that's the best way to watch this. You need to see the whole season to know what they're talking about and what references they're making. Um, I'm not putting it into Die Hard because the more we talk about it, the more upset I get. <laughs> so I think fan for me would be the best one to watch this as you're watching the entire series. And then you may only watch it once and then continue moving on, so fan. Uh, for me, uh, to start off with, the one episode that I would use to, the one word I would use to describe this episode is bonkers. Um, I'm going to put it in a diehard category only because there's no way even diehards have trouble following it. Um, but again, that, that, that doesn't relate to my enjoyment of the episode. Um, I watched this episode. It's crazy. It's silly. It's bonkers. When I'm in the mood for that, it's fun. Um, but it makes no sense and doesn't, doesn't present itself well to having a detailed podcast about it. Um, cause we're thinking about the episode and you certainly cannot think about this episode while especially while you're watching it. So I would just say die hard um, and I'm a die hard. So I'm fine with it. Um, I, it's weird. I, I kind of agree with Brian, but I'm going to say fan because I don't consider myself a die hard. I consider myself a fan and I enjoy this episode. I also agree. It's bonkers. I kind of feel that a, a die hard has more of an emotional connection to the show. And this is sort of stepping on some of the stuff. Um, it's too problematic for someone like to me, a die hard would love it no matter what. Um, so I say fan like, yeah, it's it is what it is. But I, I, I watched it and I enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, OK, this nuts but all right sure and again like to to heather's point i ride the emotional wave of stuff so sometimes i'll be like well that doesn't kind of quite fit but now i'm amy's making me cry so i'm okay um you, you know so yeah you know it's it's kind of like yes this all dots the t's and crosses the eyes so, i guess that's what it does it dots the t's and crosses the eyes and you're like what well, i think that's right sure <laughs> but i had fun okay well now now we can just move on right we can move on now yes we can move on now a fan 
season six in general is one that I do not revisit. I think this is probably the the DVD set that I own is the most well conditioned one because it just hasn't been cracked open as often. And the only one I really watch from season six would be The Doctor's Wife. There, there's a lot of logic problems I have in this particular episode, The Wedding of River Song, and it kind of culminates what I've been talking about in season six in that style is the priority over the substance, or at least the substance that I want to see in an episode. And in this episode, logic is very fast and loose. Like with the, the Gideon guy, how, how do we know that this guy been dead you know we're just told that like the skulls you know we're just told that they're gonna eat you right the doctor touching river how do we know that that's gonna reset timeline again right. because we're told at the proper moment right, right. the eye drives who invented them how did they how do they work like I, I want to know a little bit more about that because the doctor had that recorder that you put in your hand and you kind of talk to yourself when you see a silence did they use some of that to make the eye drives work and if all of time is happening at once how did they manage to capture silence how did they capture madame kavarian how did yeah. amy is amy as this super secret agent like one of the darker timelines that was able to win out of of all the other timeline you know i want to know like why this amy why not kissagram amy why not amelia pond you know like why this version of amy <laughs> Uh, so I have all these questions that I, I kind of want answered because I'm more of a logical thinker. But I do enjoy that they throw everything at you. And on first viewing, it kind of works. You're, you're, you're brought on that train ride and the train has left the station and you're just waiting to, to go to your next destination. And it can be fun. And it also depends on what mood I'm in. So I would put it for a fan because of all the references that you do not understand if you do not watch, well, mainly would, season six. I would definitely make a point to have a new viewer avoid this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So that wraps up The Wedding of River Song. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. And we will see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who New Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, enable the AnyPod podcast skill. Ask AnyPod to play the Who New Podcast. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Derbyshire, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. Oh, oh never mind. I'm not going to even talk about my version. <laughs> There's our first edit. <laughs> Some might say this episode is wackadoo. <laughs> Heather? <laughs> it's our wackadoo moment. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> my two, is, am I aging myself out of that joke? No, I, I got it. Okay. We get... I got it too, but only because I used to work at a wax museum, so. It's a fan. Well, okay, yes, I got that. <laughs> <laughs>